Hello and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece and I am once again with Samantha Trevelius. I am I I am really looking to be inspired today. This is not, I'm gonna be honest, this has not been my power day. This is uh this has been the day that the universe is trying to trying to knock me down. And I'm I'm fighting back, but I could use a little inspiration today. So well, you've come to the right place and I feel like I have. you've come to the right group here. I feel as though we're about ready to brew some incredible stuff. So yeah. think our team. I'm, I'm going right in. I'm going That's right good. in. So, so we have today, actually, this is a very long awaited podcast guest. And um, I know this is going to be so worth it. Uh, Melody Reynolds, first of all, Melody, thank you for being here. And thank you for like finally getting together with us because I know we had a few fits and starts with it, um, but I'm super excited to have you here and you, your company, Elate Beauty, um, it's been around for 20 years. Uh, so I want to start right there with that first, because you as an entrepreneur for 20 years, I feel like early adopter in a world where maybe we all weren't jumping into that arena as quickly. Um so your your products are amazing. You have so much more just beyond the physical product that we will get into. But tell us how you started your company 20 years ago. No, 20 years in the beauty industry, 10 years of your company. Sorry. No, but you're double digits, girl. I am double digits. You're, like a, you're, you're a tween. You're officially a tween. Gosh, I'm a tween. No wonder. No wonder I'm so emotional all the time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I get that. Um, yeah. So I've been in the beauty industry for over 20 years at this point, almost 25. Um, I know I look really good. You started when you were six. I mean, look like you're six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly fell into the beauty industry by accident. I, I wanted to be an accountant of all things, and I ended up dropping out of university. And kind of was in this, you know, it was the 90s. And I was like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? I'm bartending at night. I'm, you know, working retail in the day. And then I got a job at a hair salon of all things. And I just, I loved my time there. I kind of dove into, here's this thing that we all do as women that we don't really talk about. Like back then, nobody really talked about getting their hair colored because it was a thing that you did and you maybe didn't want people to know that you were getting your hair colored. Right. Or, you know, we didn't go to a makeup artist to get our makeup done unless it was your wedding. It wasn't something we did. But what I started realizing was, you know, all of the people that came in to that salon during the day left feeling so much better about themselves than they did when they walked in. And I experienced that too. And I'm sure you have too, you know, you're, you're feeling a bit down, you go into the salon or maybe the spa or, you know, maybe a bit of retail therapy and you leave feeling better. Right. And it struck me as such an important piece of my own life that how I feel about myself is tied to how I feel about how I look. And so I decided that, you know what, maybe, maybe I, I didn't, become an accountant for a reason because this is my purpose it's to help individuals feel really good about themselves so they can actually fill up that self-worth tank i'm right? pretty sure you're our first guest who's ever said they wanted to be an accountant i don't i don't actually i didn't know that was a thing mm -hmm. so, i mean it's definitely not people don't go i want to be a mortgage banker and yet here i am 
but um congratulations like four years we've never had anybody say i wanted to be yeah. this so is cool yeah i i can't explain it to be honest with you because i i really dislike doing my own bookkeeping now um but that's the time <laughs> but that's I think I was... that you picked up on the way people felt when they left the salon or when they left the makeup artist because you uh, you have noted that the beauty industry wants us to feel badly about ourselves because yeah. the worse we feel, the more we buy. Yeah. So uh, explain that logic, which kind of escapes me a little bit, but I like, I hear it. That's, a, that yeah. is a thing. Well, I, I think the the cathartic moment for me when I was working at the salon, you know, at the ripe old age of 18, you know, I'm, I'm managing this salon with all of these stylists and, and, and all of these, you know, clients coming in and out and, and seeing the difference in, in how they, they felt when they came in to when they left made me really do a lot of soul searching about my own journey with beauty, self-esteem, self-confidence and self-worth. And, you know, recognizing that my self-worth shouldn't come from a mascara tube. And yet I felt like it did because every time I bought a new product, every time I opened my purse and I saw the six different, you know, lip smackers in there, it made me feel a little bit better, right? Old school lip smackers. Right? Yes. <laughs> a yes. little Bonnie Bell strawberry lip gloss. Oh, hell yeah. And so, and so it made me really deep dive into what is this industry? Why does it have such a hold on me? And how can I actually get control of that so I can use it, you know, for good and not evil, right? To, to, to be quite clear, I recognize that, that the place that I worked, not only did it have the power to make people feel good, but it also had the power to make people feel bad. And if you think back to, I remember the very first time I noticed a magazine cover and felt bad about myself, I was six years old. Like, that's significant. Like I, and I know I was six because my grandmother had bought me um, a lollipop and we were talking about like my teacher, my grade one teacher. So I know that I was six. And I remember looking at this magazine and the thought just popped into my head. I don't look like that. I will never look like that. I must not be good enough. And these are the things that we are inundated with. And even if you never had that experience, it is in your subconscious. So every day, every magazine you see, every news anchor on TV, every movie, every television show, you know, these are all things that are designed to show us that we are not good enough. Well, and that's amplified in this world. It is, and these young girls, I mean, it's, it's happening at such a young age and, and oh. even for us more seasoned gals, I mean, it's <laughs> in our face constantly and it's, it's a yeah. lot. One of the things I'm really digging about you is your two power words that I just were screaming at me on your website, purpose and passion, power, like, and being of um, an ability to really have a passion and a purpose to make the world a better place, but also help people be and feel great. One of the things we've talked to a lot of different, you know, creators of brands and things, and not everybody's talking about making the earth also a, a good place to be when we're done with it, right? And the next group of folks come in. So talk to us a little bit about that philosophy and why that's such an important piece of your brand. Ah, thank you so much. It it really is. And it's all tied back into that, you know, feeling less than so you buy more, right? So with the use of this fear and shame based marketing, companies can manipulate us into thinking that this is a quick fix. 
So I buy this product and it will make me feel better, but it doesn't actually make me feel better because my self-worth doesn't come from a product. So then I think that I'm still broken. So I go back and buy more and then I buy more and then I buy more. And then what happens is the beauty industry produces 120 billion plastic packages every single year, many of which are ending up in the landfill completely unused because we were coerced into overconsuming. And and that is such a huge deal for me when I realized those things that I thought, I want to create a beauty company to help people feel great, to help them understand that they are perfect, whole and complete just as they are. And if they want to adorn themselves with product, this is a great product to do it with because it's got great ingredients, but also that at the end of its life, they're not responsible for creating a whole pile of garbage, that it has a refillable and sustainable story and that it is something that they can bring into their life and feel really great about. And people plan it, you know, the purpose, it's all woven in to how I want to feel at the end of the day, right? Like, yeah, I make a kick-ass mascara. It's the best you'll ever use. But I also know that I'm not littering the landfill with millions of packages because of it. And your stuff looks, I mean, it's cool looking too. You think a lot of times, you know, oh, well, it's going to look, you know, it's going to be all this and all that, but it really has like a, a great aesthetic to it too. And it's, you know, clean beauty, blue beauty. It's doing what we need it to do to make, you know, our faces look great, our insides feel great, and hopefully, you know, save the planet a little bit here and there where we can. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, that is the thing is we are um, beauty seeking creatures. We're visual creatures. We like things to look and feel beautiful and luxurious. And to me, that's the number one way that I can actually make myself make a change for the positive, right? If I want to be better, if I want to be more environmentally friendly, um, it can't be something that I don't like, right? I'm not going to buy a product I don't like if I don't like the way it works. I don't like the way it looks simply because it's more environmentally friendly. And, And I know that about myself. And so I can extrapolate and say, that's probably the way a lot of people think. We want it to work and we still want it to look beautiful. And I think that the user experience is actually a big part of what we call the sustainability journey. User experience is things like, how does it look? How does it perform? Um, you know, does it fit in with, with the other things on my bathroom counter? Do I feel really proud using it? And that's a really significant part too, is if you feel really proud using something, not only because of the ethos, but also because of the way that it looks, you are way more likely to repurchase and refill that product. Which is yeah, I was shocked to hear that 30% of waste is accredited to cosmetics. Right. 30%. That is shocking. And, and, you know, I love the sustainability piece of your company because I feel like you took what you wanted to do and create a feeling in, in us and then took it one step further to create the feeling for the planet. But um, it's, it's beyond just the 30% plastic packaging. It is, you do talk about that. It's um, the, that the companies have not thoughtfully designed products. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there a lot of products that are being made that we just don't buy that just get tossed in the landfill? Like we just, that that's it. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about scale, right. Think about a really large company, whatever that means to you in your mind. That company has to hit a specific unit threshold to get their unit price to be at a point where they are making maximum profits, right? And this is why, you know, with with us, we're a B Corp, which, of course, we're focused on a triple bottom line, which is people, planet, balance with profit. A lot of larger corporations that don't adhere to those same values, they're really just looking at how do we maximize profit? We maximize profit by having the biggest unit can we possibly can. And 
a lot of the time that product might miss the mark, which means that if you produce 6 million units and only a million gets sold, well, you've got 5 million units left and it's cheaper to send them to the landfill than it is to try to dispose of them responsibly. You said you're an E-Corp. Is that, um, and B. you're coming from, to us from Victoria. So is that a Canadian yeah. thing or is that a worldwide movement thing? Is that a certification? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for asking. I'm super passionate about B Corps. It's B with the B stands for benefit. Yeah. B Corps are, we certified back in 2018 and there was about 3000 and now there's over 7,800 B Corps worldwide. And we're all uh, companies that really stand for not only making our own industries better, but also again, it's that triple bottom line. So we're balancing people, planet and profit. Um, there's all kinds of different rules about being a B Corp and it's really just setting a higher standard for business. Um, so like Patagonia is a very famous B Corp, uh, Ben and Jerry's is a B Corp. Um, and there's a whole movement of beauty companies. I'm actually the, the co-chair of the steering committee for the B Beauty Coalition. And we're a global coalition, like Davines is on the board with me. Um, like there's huge beauty companies and we actually all come together and share quote unquote trade secrets. Um, and help each other to make our companies more sustainable and better for the world. It's truly amazing to be involved in a movement where there's less competition because we're all after the same thing, which is to do better business. I love it. I love it so much. So someone that's been in the industry for 20 plus years, I mean, you've seen a lot of different cycles. You're in Canada. So the things that and the regulations that you guys have are so much better than here, what we see in the States. And we're such we're so far behind in a lot of different ways and Europe as well. So, I mean, what are you like the cycle? I mean, where do you feel have we come full circle? Are we going in a good direction or are all, you know, these different countries adopting this clean, you know, blue philosophy? Or are we still like, you know, we're we're kind of this silo over here that some people get, but not everybody's getting. I mean, are we moving in a better direction? I mean, Samantha, I, I, I love that question. It's so thoughtful and I want to say yes, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm the, I, I have been accused of being aggressively optimistic. Like that's, that's a burn that somebody threw at me once. And I was like, really? That's the insult? Okay. Um, but I think that we are moving in the right direction. I think there are more companies specifically in the beauty industry that want to do better and be better and not, you know, and for some of us, it's, it's simple altruism. It's like, I'm bright and shiny. I want to make the world a better place and I'm going to do it with my company. And then for other companies, it's, Hey, we're losing market share because our customers are demanding that we be better. And so therefore we should be better. And I think that that is really what is keeping us on the right track and moving us forward as an industry is that our customers are demanding more. They want more transparency. They want better choices for them, their families and the planet. And for those of us that can deliver, we set the standard and really everyone has to rise up to that standard. When you're starting to definitely see, like when you do go into a CVS or a Walgreens, you are starting to see more of the cleaner products coming in. But a lot of times, like I spend, I'm, we're in California. So we're, we're kind of hip over here, right? We get it. We've got some good friends that are always saying, use this, not this, right? But in other parts of even the US, I mean, you still can walk into, I spend quite a bit of time on the East Coast and there's, you know, I can't find what I want unless I go online. I mean, it's not necessarily easily accessible. 
And also some people think, you know, if it's not easy to get, or if it's a little bit more money, maybe it's not worth it. I'd rather just go grab the, you know, not to knock a Maybelline or a Revlon, but you know, it's easier for me to grab those products because they're at my fingertips. And so I think, how do we, is it just going to be more of us the consumer want, or is there going to be a bigger marketing approach globally overall? Mm -hmm. I, you know, and you're absolutely right. Accessibility is one of the barriers to creating, you know, a more sustainable future for, for brands that make products, you know, because I know for us, you know, we're in over 200 partners in North America, but that's not enough, right? Like, you know, here's a fun tidbit. In California, you actually have 10 million more people than my entire country, right? So, <laughs> but, <laughs> Right. And so even if I did have just 200 partners in California, I still wouldn't have enough for everybody to be able to walk into a place and, and, and find my products that are you know potentially better than the alternative. So really, it's about how can we educate people to make, you know, more thoughtful choices and more intentional choices. So instead of walking into that CVS and going, oh, the thing I want isn't here, I guess I just have to grab something else. There is the intentionality behind how do I want to design the products that I'm using every morning, right? How do I want to create that ritual for myself? What does that look like? And then how do I procure those products? You know, until we get to a place where our brands are really widespread, and it's not just mine. I have so many friends in the industry that are doing amazing things, um, but, you know, just don't have the coverage yet either. And for us, it's just really relying on word of mouth. And again, having that intentionality of like, let's plan what you want your beauty morning ritual to look like, and we'll support you with the products. We'll get them to you as fast as we can, but you may have to order them online. <laughs> All right. Let me take the flip side of that. I'm going to put my little CFA hat on for a moment. Yeah. So my experience is in the products that are quote unquote, sustainable, earth friendly, whatever it is, they, um, they are more expensive. So not everybody has the additional income to pay, but also I would like to believe, and I could be wrong, but I'd like to believe that they are more expensive because they're pricier to create, develop, um, and, and, you know, get onto the shelf, right? So how do you as a businesswoman uh, make the margins you need to make to continue your business? Because sustainability is great unless your company is not sustainable, and then it kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, you are preaching to the choir. <laughs> I, I also get asked the question a lot, you know, because one of our mandates is to have people buy less. And they're like, how do you make money when we are telling people not to buy products? And I'm like, well, let me tell you, uh, you're right. Sustainable products have a higher price point, And that is because, you know, the the way that we make our products is more expensive. You know, I use better ingredients. I, I don't, you know, um, I choose more environmentally friendly ways to get them to me. Um, I have a longer lead time, which of course leads to less cash flow because you're holding inventory, because you're holding ingredients and raw materials. And, you know, there really is a lot to be said about doing business in a better way and how it can be more expensive. However, for a product like mine, what we really focus on is our loyal customers. And so we, for the past, uh, we've been in business for 10 years. It's our 10th birthday. Woo! So um, we have a customer return rate over of over 67%, which is absolutely unheard Damn, of. In the that's industry. good. It's really good. And thank you. And, you know, that's really what we focus on is that, you know, the cost of customer acquisition is really high, which means, of course, you know, the dollars that I have to spend to get a new person to notice me 
is actually more than I have because, you know, you know, some of those larger brands have a million dollar marketing budget for this quarter alone. And so for me, it's all about who are we talking to? We're talking to the customers that have been with us for five, six, you know, some of my customers have been with me since day one. I have a customer that actually named one of my very first lip glosses that still very faithfully refills her mascara every six months. I love that. And so that's the thing for me is it's all about sustainability isn't just a word or a philosophy around our environmental performance. It's also for me about our financial performance, because if I succeed as a business and I can create a model that is profitable and, you know, moves me in that direction, then I'm actually setting the example for how other companies can be more sustainable and be profitable. Now, you know, it it really depends on what your goals are. And for me, my goal has always been to create a legacy within the beauty industry. Now, having a profitable company, that's got to be a goal. I didn't get out of bed this morning to lose money. That's not why I got into business. But at the end of the day, you know, being a profitable company and, and also being able to prove that that model can work and you can be good for the planet and good for your customers while still being profitable that makes me super happy and super proud. Win, win all around. So I'm a mom of two young gals. One is just about to turn 11. The other one is 13. And these little bees are so into skincare, right? The teen movement on the skincare. It's like, I mean, we weren't even washing our face when we were 13, (laughs) my era. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, as a parent, you know, you're trying, you're like, you're into it because you're like, yeah, you're taking care of your skin. But I think I was watching something on the television about a lot of these different serums and acids and things are not good for their little skin. You know, what are, what's your thoughts on this movement? And, you know, where are some tools that we can help these, these listeners, our mom friends out there? um, what, What do they need to know? I mean, I think we need a whole other podcast to talk about this whole thing that's <laughs> happening. Um, I also have an 11 year old daughter and, you know, it is so important in our household. It's, it's everywhere, right? Because mom owns a beauty company. You know, we, we, we create products, we create skincare, we create cosmetics. And it's really about that educational piece of what's happening to your skin right now. When you're a tween, when you're on the cusp of puberty, your skin is actually learning itself. It's learning how it's going to react to the outside environment, to the food you're putting into it. So everything that's happening in your body is actually still being learned by your body, right? That's what puberty is. It's it's really your body learning how to be an adult. It's the hormones balancing and, and learning how to be an adult. So putting external chemicals on the face mixes your own skin up. And so that that's something that I talk to my daughter, her name's Fiona. I, I talk to Fiona about it all the time, that everything you put on your face it, it reads and we use, she loves computers. So we use that as an example, right? It's, it's like you're typing into the keyboard and you're telling the computer the information and a computer is very smart, but it can only respond to the information that you as the human have given it, right? It's not, it's, it's not self-aware, right? It has to respond to the information you're giving it. And so your skin is going to respond to the information you're giving it. If you're putting a bunch of acids and peels and exfoliation on your skin, your skin's going to go, oh, okay, I guess she's got this. We're just not going to bother with cellular turnover because she's doing that for us. And so that's when you get buildup. That's when you get acne. That's when you get really like dull and like that, that sort of, you know, that we as, as, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman proudly. Uh, you know, we as middle-aged women know like, oh, I need to exfoliate because my skin is dull. But when you're 11, you just think, oh, great. Apricot scrubs seven times a day, baby. Let's do it. And so for me, it's like when I talk to other moms, 
And I actually do. I host a, a monthly workshop here uh, in Victoria for because I know a lot of moms that I'm like, bring your kids in. Let me talk to them because nobody listens to their mom. Right. And that's the number one thing is, is explaining to them how their skin works and, and how these products, although they look really great on TikTok, aren't for you. That skincare isn't one size fits all. You need something that's just for you because you're unique. And then we set them up with like, here's some jojoba oil. It's supernatural. It's in a beautiful container and it's just for you. And so it's really about like moving them away from this is what everybody is doing to you're really unique and your skin needs this. So let's set you up with something that's just for you. I you mean, remember when we were kids and, and like that apricot, you mentioned the apricot, the one that had like of apricot pit in it. Oh yeah. We were like mauling our skin with apricot pit. What? Nogzima? Oh God. Awful, awful, awful. Um, it's brilliant advice that you're giving though. It's, it's so spot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, um, wouldn't have thought about any of that. Uh, it's a good thing my daughter really wasn't into it when she was a teen. So, so because I would have screwed it up for her. Bardo came in and she she wanted this eye cream, and I'm like, "Girl, you're 13. You don't need eye cream." Eye cream. Oh yeah. So my, uh, I actually had a a college freshman year college roommate who was a model when she was in high school, and one of the print ads she did was for Macy's. Sorry, Macy's, I love you, but she did a print ad for Macy's, and it was for like um like under eye age defying something. And I remember looking at the ad going, you were fucking 15. Like <laughs> what, what is that? And she's like, but people who look at the ad don't know that. And yeah. so, mm, anyway, kind of that stuff makes me crazy. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you, cause this is my favorite thing of all the things that you uh, do with your product. Not only the products are amazing, but the packaging is amazing. Tell me about how the seed paper packaging idea came out. Oh, my goodness. I actually have to um, credit a friend of mine was getting married uh, and sent her invitations on seed paper. And so you got this invitation in the mail and, you know, and it had a little message on it. And it's this like bumpy paper. And I was like, what is this? And and then there's a little message that says, oh, this is seed paper. So rather than recycling or throwing this away, you can plant it and it makes a garden. And I was like, holy shit, that's the best idea I've ever heard. Very cool. That's because, really cool. You know, recognizing that recycling takes energy and throwing things in the landfill, that's not great either. And so being able to grow something felt like so cyclical. And I was like, oh, I got I to gotta store that idea away. And then when I started it late, I was like, yep, we're using this. This is a great idea. Yeah, this it was fun. Good. So let's talk about 10 years of business. I mean, that's a success within itself. I mean, it's hard enough to be in business one year, but let alone 10 in a space that's not, you know, it's it's evolved. It, it wasn't like this 10 years ago. So you were somewhat of an early adopter. What's the most challenging part of this journey for you? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think the most challenging part of any journey is, you know, 10 years in getting up every day and celebrating the wins because in business and even just as a mom, as a woman, as a human, I'm only thinking about, oh gosh, I, how, how could I have done that better? I need to improve. I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, the never ending to-do list of an overachiever. Um, and instead it's, it's, it's waking up every morning and going, okay, 
this is where we were. This is where we are. Look at how far we've come. Look at the things we've done. Look at the people we've influenced. Look at the way that we've worked together. Look at the lives that we have touched. There are so many individuals out there that wake up every morning and they think of Elite as they put their mascara on. And if they're not thinking about our product specifically, they're thinking about how the choice that they made, this little daily choice, has making a global impact. And that makes me so incredibly proud, but I'm really bad at celebrating wins. I, you know, and, and so I would say the biggest challenge is to celebrate those wins as they come. And no matter how difficult any of the challenges are, to know that we have done incredible work in shining a light on the problem of waste in the beauty industry and influencing and helping empower people to make better choices. I love it. Shaking the shit up, man. Getting disruptive (laughs) in the best ways possible. One of the other things I loved on your website was changing the world one lipstick at a time. Yeah. It's such a great statement. It's so (laughs) powerful on so many different levels. I just, I find what you're doing, who you are, and just this journey that you've been on is just, it's super cool. And um, you're very remarkable. And it's not like going back to this whole accounting, like CPA, like brain, you know, to be able to have such a different creative power of you, it's, it's, you're like a little unicorn in the best way. Don't forget the creativity of the ukulele band. I I mean, there's that part of you. Ukulele band and beauty maven. Three things that we did not knew. We did not know went together until today. We certainly didn't. And Elite Beauty, you could find on all the different socials, uh, websites. Uh, we will link up Instagram. Please follow. Please buy products. It's it's important for us to continue to push the narrative of the clean blue beauty movement as consumers. Because like you said, like we're the ones that are really going to direct traffic there. You're amazing. You have elated my day and Stacey's as well. We can't say thank you enough. We hope that everybody listens this week and is inspired.